Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Welcome back, Masterpiece Women, to our podcast. And today's podcast is a little bit different because in our membership, we have been going over the Think and Grow Rich program with the biblical application. And today was preparing for the very last class. And it's a chapter that we hadn't actually recorded in our system previously. And I decided it was so important that I wanted to go ahead and record it. So as I was preparing for it, I thought, Everyone out there needs to hear this message because so often when I speak to leaders, the thing that holds them back from accomplishing their great thing or stepping it out in faith and doing something different or reinventing themselves when God calls them to, they stay where they're at because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of failing, and oftentimes fear of what people are going to think. So as I was preparing for this program in Think and Grow Rich, it's actually his chapter name is Epilogue, How to Outwit the Six Ghosts of Fear. I don't believe that we need to talk about ghosts on Masterpiece Women. So I changed my title to How Do We Outwit Fear? (laughs) Because you have to outwit fear. And it is something you can outwit. It's something you can overcome because your mind is so powerful. And so as we talk about that, I want to be, I want to encourage you to take the steps to be very, very intentional about your mindset. Do programs that will enrich your mindset, whether it's one of ours in our membership or find another one but do the programs that will help you to grow, that will help you to understand how to hold your thoughts captive and reprogram. Because if you do any of the research, like Carolyn, Dr. Carolyn Leaf and many others, scientists that are Christians will tell you, God created your brain that way, that you can outwit fear. You can outwit any negative habit, any negative thought, if you take the time to be intentional to do it. And so in Napoleon Hill, we did it with a biblical application because some of it people go, oh, that's a little new age or whatever. So I actually did it with the biblical application because I wanted you to see the biblical application that applies to it because there's so much good content. And like anything that you do in a good, in a leadership book or any other book, I'm going to encourage you, even a Christian book, you have to discern it for yourself. And so We took all the great meat out of that book. I taught it to the women. We collaborated. We've been talking about it, discussing it, setting um, our goals each week and doing all of that together in collaboration. And we discussed fear and how oftentimes it sets us back. I know for me, fear held me back 
from writing a book for years. And just recently I wrote an article and I'm writing two different books simultaneously right now. And the Lord showed me how it was fear that had been holding me back all this time. And as I started to write more and more, the Lord has just downloaded exactly what he wanted me to say. So it's like, why was I scared? You knew I knew he would do it, but yet there was something in me that had to be broken and changed. And it came from me. I had to change my mindset. I had to reprogram my thinking to recognize that it was the lies of the enemy that was holding me back in fear. And so I want the same for you in every area of your life. So I thought I wanted to bring this to you as well as the women in our membership program. So if you're not in the program, you definitely want to join our membership platform. But let's talk about Napoleon Hill's last chapter. Talks about the descriptions. He talks about six specific descriptions that as he studied all these leaders for years, he did so much research, talked to all the people in his time that were the most powerful, wealthiest people of his time. And what he saw was that the these six fears were the cause of discouragement. They were the causes of the timidity, procrastination. Pay attention to those discouragement, timidity, procrastination, indifference, indecision, the lack of ambition, self the lack of self-reliance, the lack of initiative, the lack of self-control, and the lack of enthusiasm. So are you lacking in any of those areas? If you are, I want you to step back and I want you to really listen to these fears and see what they have on you. What are you, what lie are you still believing? I want you to just search yourself and think about those characteristics. And do you see any of them in you? Take inventory, write them down. Now, if you're driving, don't write them down. Come back and do it. And you're going to see in our, in our um, posting, I'm going to give you a link so that you can actually get the inventory to be able to just write. I have a whole little worksheet for you that you can download. So just email us and um, I'll, I'll put the little link here so you can fill it out. And I want you just to um, put your email in there and I'll shoot you over the link to be able to actually do this inventory. So I'm just going to say that these six lies are not ghosts as he described them, but they're the enemy. They're just trying to trip you up. They've caused so much damage to so many people that I know. And it's in their own minds. It's really in their minds that they have, these fears have caused so much damage, not only in their minds, but physically you see them cause damage. It's caused more damage than any physical issue in the world. So when you think of them, the fear of poverty and scarcity is one that I see all the time. So many people stay right stuck where they're at because of their fear of poverty. It seizes the minds of millions and millions of people. And think about the Great Depression. We saw it over and over how it caused all this severe depression in the people and there's three enemies that 
he describes in this last chapter that you have to get rid of as well, that you see all the time with people who have fear, indecision, doubt, and fear. We have to get rid of indecision. We have to get rid of doubt and we have to get rid of fear. And the only way to do that, ladies, is to reprogram your minds. Many times you'll see these habits are hidden. They're in our subconscious mind. God created us that way. It's imperative that we pay attention when those lies come up, when those fears come up, when those thoughts come up, hold them captive. Go, no, I refuse to accept that lie. I refuse to be fearful. And this is why, because God says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that I am valuable. He says I am his masterpiece. He says that he loves me. I don't have to accept those fears. And so the six basic fears that Napoleon Hill names that are the most common are these, the fear of poverty, the fear of criticism, the fear of ill health, the fear of loss of love of someone, and the fear of old age. And the last one, the fear of death. Those are all the main ones that he describes as being the worst fears. When you think of the many, many, many other fears that all can be grouped, think about most of them can be grouped under these, can't they? They, they you think about all the fears you might have, which one of those categories that I just mentioned, would they fall under? Most of them would fall under those main categories. And fears are nothing more than a state of mind. That's all they are. They're a state of mind. They are the enemy. And that's, I want you to think of that. It's just the lie. It's a state of mind and it's a lie. And we can overcome lies. That's the victor victory that we have. And that's a beautiful thing is that we can, but we have to reprogram our minds. And we've talked many, many times in our programs on how to control our minds. And I'm going to tell you the best way to do it is with scripture. Current and past psychologist studies have proven, proven that you have the controls, that you have the capability of reprogramming your mind. And Carolyn um, Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf says it, it takes three sets of 21 days to be able to reprogram our minds and to change a habit. We just have to do repetition, repetition, repetition. And Napoleon Hill calls it auto-suggestion. So you take the lie and you replace it with the truth. And if you'll do that for 21 days and then do it again for 21 days, and then again, the studies previously said it only took 21 days, but the most recent research to really let go of the habit, to have the greatest success at changing habits, the greatest success at really um, changing our thought process in our subconscious is three sets of 21 days, according to Dr. Caroline Leaf. So when you think about doctors, doctors is a great example. And Napoleon mentioned it in this book about how doctors 
actually they take care of all these sick patients and they do it with no fear of getting sick. They're not afraid of getting sick. So they don't get sick. And it's really powerful when you think about it and you think about how we can master our thoughts and you think about the doctors because they're not afraid of it. They don't get sick. And in Hebrews 11, one, it says faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of about what we do not see. So we don't see it, but we have the confidence and the assurance in him. So as we're thinking about fear and we're thinking about poverty, we cannot translate that into terms of courage or financial gain, can we? When we're thinking about being poor, it's really hard to think about how can I be successful? It's really hard to think about being courageous to step out of our box and do something courageous when we're scared. So in essence, there's just not enough room in our brain for both. We need to choose which path we're going to take. It's like choosing the light versus the dark. It's the same concept. So I don't know about you ladies, but I know for me, what I think when I think about wealth, I want to think about wealth and what God will use me to do and to how he's going to use me to steward his money that he provides so that I can do his work. So I'd much rather think about that versus thinking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I lose everything? And I could like have to go live in a homeless shelter. And so many of our fears are so unrealistic. Like if you really write down all your fears, realities are probably never, ever going to happen, but yet we allow them to hold us back. So I prefer to focus on being wealthy and doing what God's called me to do, not for my own personal gain, but because he's called me to do great things. And it takes money to build the kingdom. It takes money to impact people, to help. So that's my heartbeat. I don't know about you. What about you? What would you prefer to be wealthy and think about that or think about being poor? I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's true. People stay stuck in that. And so I want you to really translate though, that whole concept and the word. And I did that with our ladies as well as in our group is let's not think about it from, you know, being rich for the sake of making money and buying the things we want. Think of being rich as being rich emotionally, being rich physically, being rich financially, spiritually, because it's so much more than being rich financially. You want to think about the spiritual gain. You want to think about the mental gain. You want to think about the financial gain. It all works together. And in this program, you have really been given a roadmap, a really great roadmap to riches. Personally, financially, spiritually, we have touched on all of that. It's not just about the finances. So oftentimes I think people think about thinking grow rich. Oh, it's just about growing rich. Tina's just talking about making money. No, it's about being rich in spirit, rich in your mindset, rich in Yes, finances as well, but it all works together. And let me tell you, talk to any not-for-profit who's doing great things in the world. They have to raise money to be successful, to be able to do what God's called them to do. It takes money to be able to do the things he's calling you to do. So we have to make money. And what better way to do it than helping other and do it from a place of generosity where when we make money, we give a lot of money away. That's more fun than making the money. So it's your choice, ladies. I'm going to encourage you every time you have 
you have a lie from the enemy, just stop it, hold it captive, replace it with the truth. Find the scripture that replaces that lie in your mind with the truth of God. Focus on your persistence. Focus on your vision statements. Your vision statements are so powerful. Write your in one of the first chapters in the Think and Grow Rich prop. Um, Think and Grow Rich book, we talk about writing out your vision statement and repeating it, writing out every day, every day, every day for 30 days so that it sticks in your mind so that when you are you're reprogramming with that vision of what you're going to be and you're saying what it's going to be, what your vision is today, not two years from now, but today, the vision of where you're going to be in your vision statement, your why And when you replace those lies with all of that truth and the dreams that God has put in your heart, just watch the fear go away. It's amazing. And I promise you, if you will do it intentionally, the fear will go away. So Napoleon Hill says that the fear of poverty is a state of mind, nothing else, but is sufficient to destroy one's chances of achievement in any understanding. The fear of poverty paralyzes the faculty of reason. It destroys the faculty of imagination, kills off self-reliance, undermines enthusiasm. It discourages initiative. It leads to uncertainty of purpose. It encourages procrastination, wipes out enthusiasm, and makes self-control impossible. So all of that comes from the fear of poverty according to Napoleon Hill. And I've seen examples of that in many people's lives, even in my own in some areas in the past. And so I'm going to encourage you again, take control. He says that fear of poverty is without a doubt, the most destructive of the six basic fears. It's also the most difficult to master. It takes courage to master where the origin of the fear comes from. And I believe that many of us That's our greatest obstacle is getting to the root of where do our fears come from and addressing it and opening up maybe wounds that you don't want to open up. I encourage you, if you need to go get a great counselor, open up those wounds, get a mentor, whatever that is that you need to do to be in a safe place to be able to open up those wounds and debride them and get rid of them so that you can, can overcome them. And he puts a huge, huge emphasis in this chapter on self-analysis and encourages us to really ask a friend to analyze us. I'm going to encourage you ladies, do a 360. Ask your friends to analyze you as well and see if they see any of these fears in you. Sometimes these fears will creep in very, very subtly and we don't even know that we have them. And so the symptoms that you'll see in the fear of poverty, indifference. We see this commonly expressed through the lack of ambition, willingness to tolerate poverty, acceptance of whatever, just whatever compensation life is going to offer us. Whatever people give us, they, uh, well, that's all I'm worth. Mental and physical laziness is because of lack of, I mean, the fear of poverty. And many, many, Um, 
problems with digestion is actually come that comes from fear too. And um, that just seems like such an odd thing, but it's our bodies react to fear. So when we don't, and we don't have any imagination, how do you have imagination when you're so scared? You don't have any enthusiasm because you're so scared. And often people who struggle with self-control is because they have too much fear. Indecision. Indecision is another huge habit of permitting others to do one's thinking for them. Staying, you just stay on the fence all the time. Whatever you want to do, it's okay. Whatever you think, whatever, it's fine. You don't ever have a thought of your own. Don't you just hate hate it when you're with someone that just can't make a decision and you, I don't want to always be the one that makes the decisions. I want to be an equal, you know, let you put in sometimes, sometimes I just don't really care. And, you know, that's a whole different story, but the reality is you don't want to be that person that's on the fence all the time. You want to be able to make decisions. You want to have, um, you know, decisiveness, especially when you're growing and building business or ministry, you have to be decisive. Otherwise you're paralyzed. When you have doubt, so much of doubt comes from the fear of poverty. You see it expressed in alibis and excuses and, you know, people will fail and they just make a, you know, excuse for it, an alibi. They often have a very critical personality. So if you are a critical person, I'm going to encourage you, evaluate yourself. What are you scared of? Because oftentimes you'll see people with doubt have very critical personalities and their doubt comes from fear. Worry comes from fear. These people tend to live way beyond their means. They spend and spend and spend. They neglect their personal appearance. They scowl all the time. They frown all the time. They often have addictions to alcohol and to drugs, and they have a lack of poise. And again, they have a very difficult time with their self-conscious. They're very self-conscious of themselves. People with issues with this fear have, they're very overly cautious. Are you afraid to take a step? You see these people not going anywhere because they're too fearful to take a step. So they're always looking for the negative side in every circumstance. They're thinking and thinking of the possible failure. Well, what happens, ladies? What happens if you succeed instead of focusing on the failure? What could happen if you failed? How about focusing about succeeding? Focus on what you'll be able to do for God when you succeed with the plans he has for you. Don't focus on the fears. And when you have these fears, typically you're going to see yourself being focused on those, um, on not succeeding and on failing. And those people are also um, just kind of waiting. They're just waiting for something bad to happen. They see like, and the donut, instead of seeing the whole donut, they see the hole in the donut. And you don't want to be that person just seeing the hole in the donut and overlooking the delicious donut. You want to see the whole donut. And if you're like me right now, you're not eating donuts. So don't eat it, but just look at it and see how pretty and how good it probably did taste. But I have determined after my 16 pounds today, I am not eating donuts. So anyway, they are very pessimistic as well. And again, one of the biggest things is they 
physically we'll see massive issues with constipation and bad breath and a bad disposition. So it all ties into a lot of negative physical and emotional attributes, doesn't it? So pay attention again, have a friend do a self-analysis of you. Where are you ladies with this procrastination? Now, this is one I really struggle with. So I was, I had to evaluate myself and say, okay, Tina, what are you scared of? And I recognize that the things that maybe I'm not as good at and that I'm learning, I tend to procrastinate. And so I was, I had to own that one and say, okay, Lord, I'm replacing that. And so every time I start to procrastinate with anything, I make myself intentionally do it and face that fear of, for me, oftentimes it's the fear of failure that causes me to procrastinate. That's really the one that gets me. But overall procrastination, these people put off everything today that they can do tomorrow. They make lots and lots and lots and lots of excuses, don't they? Are you an excuses maker? I'm gonna encourage you, if you are, address it, my friend. They don't want to take responsibility. These people will always compromise or at least often, not always, always is not a good word, but they compromise often. They often have no self-control, no self-confidence. They don't have a definitive, you know, a definite purpose. They don't ever get to a place in life where they feel like they're walking in their passion, their purpose, and they lack initiative. They lack enthusiasm. They lack ambition. They they're not thrifty or sound reasoning either. So there's just so many things that are affected that, that we see in people that are still stuck in fear. So I really landed greatly in this video on the fear of poverty because of it being the greatest fear. But I also believe that it steals and destroys dreams greater than anything. I've seen over and over that unforgiveness also does. And so I'm going to say fear is probably the second only to unforgiveness item that I've seen when I've coached and spoken all over the world that holds people back. The two greatest hindrances for personal growth, the two greatest hindrances for success in business are unforgiveness and fear. So Napoleon Hill speaks in this book specifically and he wrote all about the Great Depression and that there were, there were millions and millions of men and women who were paralyzed by the fear of poverty. Money does make a difference. And even in ministries, you need it to succeed, but we don't want it to be an idol either. And sometimes even that holds people, the fear of the poverty keeps them in a place of, well, I'm just not going to make it my idol. I'm not going to make money my idol. You absolutely don't want to make anything your idol, but you do need money to grow. You need money to build ministry, to build business. You have to overcome the fear and focus on generating wealth. So let's talk about the fear of criticism. This one's a big one for me. I'm a people pleaser and I don't like it when people don't like me. And I don't like it when I do something and I oftentimes that will paralyze me worse than other things if I'm afraid someone may not like what I'm doing. So the fear of criticism does rob you, robs you of your initiative. It destroys your imagination. It limits your individuality. It takes away your self-reliance. 
and does so much damage in hundreds of other ways. Many times when I've personally spoken with women about not stepping into their passion or purpose, I have found that it's the fear of what people think. Oftentimes, people who are so self-conscious become nervous and they find it difficult to meet strangers or have conversations where they look you in the eye. Have you ever spoken to that person? They won't look you in the eye. They just look down, they look around. They're like, you know, they're looking everywhere, but at you. And I'll never forget um, one of my mentors years ago when I was building my business said to me, Tina, always make sure you look them in the people in the eye because they know they have your attention. They know that you value what's going on in that moment. And so I've always made a point of looking at people in the eye when I was younger because of my fear of being rejected, my fear of being unlovable. I struggle like crazy to do that. So This is a fear that women have to overcome if they're going to be successful. I tell women all the time, do it scared, do it scared. Because the reality is you may have those fears, but you can capture those thoughts and you can do it anyway. Because often so many people are just so scared of being criticized. They're so scared of what people are going to think that they become extravagant, they lack initiative, they lack ambition, and they lack overall drive. It really paralyzes them because they're so concerned about what people will think. I have a friend specifically, I just came to my mind as I'm saying this, that was launching a business and needed a website, but because they are so worried about what people think and they didn't have the finances to spend a ton of money on a website. They just didn't do anything at all. And they were paralyzed. And I remember saying, just start a website, start Kajabi. I'll give you a link. You'll get it free for a month and go girl, go. And she just would not do it because she was so scared. I'm going to tell you every mentor I've ever spoken to, every one of them, from John Maxwell to his team of coaches to my mentor now that mentored me through building my membership site, have all said, just do it scared. You can go back and fix it. I launched my um, website myself. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just watched the little tutorials on Kajabi and it told me what to do for this and told me what to do for that. And I did it. And it was not my forte. I am not a techie girl, but I had a drive and a desire to get it done. And I had to call support multiple times. And I'm sure they knew, oh, she's a newbie. But I didn't care because I wanted to do it so desperately because I knew God called me to do it. And it did take me a little bit to say, I am all in. And it took a coach saying to me, Tina, what's your passion? What is, what is it that you thrive on and love to do? I said, helping women, and especially I love helping women be successful. He's like, well, how much time every day are you spending on that? And when I really looked at my calendar, I wasn't spending any time doing what I was passionate about. And that was what propelled me was looking at my schedule, doing a self-analysis and saying, 
It is time to go and thrive. And wow, has God blessed it because I knew God had called me to do it. But there was a part of me that was afraid of what people would think because I led one ministry. Then I decided to go back into business when I left that. And I really disliked being in the healthcare staffing business again. I had no passion for it. And I know it's because that was not my calling, but I knew I was supposed to do it for a season. And I think it was for that lesson so that I would stop looking at a business opportunity as an opportunity to um, be more successful than I was if I went and did what God told me to do. And because I had made millions of dollars doing that, I knew the opportunity for success in it. However, let me tell you, ladies, when God calls you to do something, you can thrive in anything he calls you to do. And you can make money. You can provide for your family and you can do it in ways that free you up to do other things like creating an online platform, creating an online business, creating a membership site because it's residual income every single month. So do it scared. Don't worry about what people think. Don't let it paralyze you. Let's talk about one of the next fears is the fear of ill health. So many people truly are so afraid of their health that they make themselves sick. They worry about it all the time. They're constantly, I have one friend, every time you have a conversation, it's about how they don't feel good, how they don't feel good, how they don't feel good. And one of the studies in the Think and Grow Rich program, Napoleon Hill actually surveyed these physicians and one physician estimated that 75% of his clients had imaginary illnesses. Can you imagine 75% of the people that you see don't even have real illnesses? They're just so paranoid about their health. What does that say about us as a society? What does that say about the fear that people live with? So if we continuously say that we have an illness or we don't feel good. We're not going to feel good. Your words have power. Even the Bible says our words have so much power. So if we continually, if we continually say, I feel great, life is good. I'm so excited about what's going on. Then we will be. If we keep saying, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. That's what you are. So watch your words. We have the controls, ladies. We can control. And many of the symptoms that we see with a fear of illness are a habit of negative talk. It's a habit of hypochondriasm, habit of lack of exercise, susceptibility to illness, self-coddling, and drinking too much because of the fear. So that's when we need to overcome as well. And then here's another fear that I thought was very interesting that he described. And that's a, the fear of loss of love. And how many people do you know that stay in a place continuously where they don't enjoy the moment with the one they love because they're so afraid of losing them that they can't just be. They're always looking for problems. And those people tend to find fault, they gamble, they have difficulty sleeping, they have bad tempers, they have minimal self-control, and they often excuse their bad behavior and have affairs and things like that because they are so afraid of losing the one they love. They figure, I'm going to lose them anyway. I might as well do it and I'll break their heart before they break mine. How many people do you know like that? Or are you one of those people? So be careful with that, my friend. If you're a, you've got an issue with temper and jealousy and things, check yourself. Are you afraid of losing the one you love? And he gave a 
profound example in the book of the man who had been hospitalized for months and months and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And he came in right after a heartbreak and he had all these chronic illnesses. So the doctor set the nurse up to actually pretend that she was in love with this patient to see if it was the, the fear of the lacking the love, the heartbreak that was actually causing him his illness. Well, lo and behold, what happens, she does. And he actually falls for her and believes that she loves him. And he gets miraculously healed. It was crazy. The story of I can't even imagine as a nurse doing that, number one. But they did go on. The positive thing about that is that they did go on to end up getting married. And they had an incredible life together afterwards, he said. So that's really cool. But I just thought that was so powerful how we have no idea how powerful the the fear of losing love is and how heartbreak can destroy so much. So the other one is, an, or another one I should say, is the fear of old age. This is so closely related to the fear of poverty because people are often fearful of running out of money because of the fear of poverty if they get sick. And so often they're so fearful that they're they're going to go to the poorhouse in their old age and they're not going to have anyone to take care of them. And they're afraid they're going to be poor and desolate and live in a horrible nursing home with a note without anybody. And that pe- these people tend to have a lack of mental maturity often calling themselves old, even when they're not. And when I read this and when I was studying for this, I thought, oh my goodness, I better really be careful with that because I will sometimes say, oh yeah, you know how getting old is. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not getting old and I'm not going to say those negative words anymore. And so I have to, I'm going to check myself in that area. I don't know about you, but that's one that I'm going to keep an eye on because I can see how that could happen very easily. So be careful with that one. They, these people often kill off initiative, they kill off imagination and self-reliance by really thinking they're too old to use these qualities. So be careful with that one. And then the fear of death. Now, those of us who know God, I don't know that we have as great of a fear or it's as big of an issue, but it could be in some individuals. But I think to myself, well, if it happens, it's his will. If I die, it's his will. He allowed, he knows the day you're going to come to earth. He knows the day you're leaving. And, you know, whatever God allows in my life, I have to trust that he knows that it's for the greater good and I'm going to heaven. So I'm very content in that. But there's a part of me, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my family or I think about what could happen with my family. Then I have to go back to, do you trust him? Do you believe that he will care for your children and your husband and all the people you love? And so you think about this book. And when Napoleon Hill was doing this book, it was during the Great Depression. And how many people were put in insane asylums due to their fear of death. They were so scared of dying. The habit of thinking about death versus making the most out of our lives causes such a lack of purpose and just completely destroys a desire for achievement because why bother? I'm going to probably die young anyway. So I'm just going to encourage you, if that's something you struggle with, again, captivate that, stop it. You have the controls. And then there's worry. 
we must destroy worry. We have no reason to worry. Oftentimes it's embedded though in your subconscious mind. And sometimes it comes from our childhood. It comes from our relationships or the way we've been brought up. But we again have control of our subconscious mind. We just have to be intentional. So I'm gonna encourage you in this program, we're gonna have a link at right below our podcast and on YouTube. You're going to see it right below and it's going to send you to our website. And there's a whole list of questions for you to really do a quick evaluation of yourselves. What do you worry about, if anything, in this book that we studied and that we did and that the whole program that's in Masterpiece Women's Membership um, Community We clearly learned that we don't have to succumb to worry or the lies or any of the things of the enemy. The Bible teaches us that too. So when we're in the word every day, we get the truth put into us. And so when those lies come, we can fight it with the truth of God. I give the women in our classes a list of all the promises of all the main lies and and that the, you know, the truth that they can use to overcome it. And the scriptures that are specific to who their identity in Christ is so that when they're feeling unloved, for instance, they will quote one scripture. If they're feeling like they're not valuable, they quote Ephesians 2.10, I am a masterpiece. That is what you need to do is continue to repeat that over and over and over. And I know in this message on fear, I've said it over and over and over and over. The reason I have is because sometimes it takes seven times for you to hear it before you grasp it. But if you will take the time to replace the lies with the truth and feel free to email me if you want that list of all the scriptures, then I'm happy to send it to you. Every time you get one of those lies that pop up, you go, nope, Satan, get behind me because this is the truth of God. I don't have to go there. And so we need to protect ourselves from the evil of fear. Fear does not come from God, but it comes from the enemy. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your dreams and your families and you. So be be prepared, women of God and masterpiece women. When we hold those thoughts captive and choose not to allow the fear or the enemy to control us, we can achieve phenomenal things for the Lord. Using auto-suggestion and repeating those constant truths and being in the word and being in in the scriptures and in um, prayer and journaling the truth and writing it, there's something very powerful from going from the head to the pen to the paper. And there's even studies that if you do it in blue, that it's even more powerful because it will really reroute your brain. I talk about spaghetti noodles. Our brains are like spaghetti noodles, right? Sometimes the wires are going all kinds of crazy directions because of bad habits or bad inputs that we've had for our whole life. And so we want to create new habits to counteract and overcome the fear, create a habit For each fear that you have, analyze yourself. Ask the people around you, do you see these fears in any aspect of my life? I'm going to encourage you to really do that. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to reveal to you as well, because he often will reveal to us. Sometimes it's like peeling back 
an onion. He gives us one little thing at a time to deal with. And so ask him, Lord, revealing me if there's any fear left. I think I always think about when I think about fear, I think about my friend, Kathy Anderson, who I mentioned in my other podcast this week. She actually went to face her fear of heights by going and climbing Mount Whitney and as she came back down and it was scary for her, she didn't want to, but she didn't want anything holding her back. When she came back down, God inputted this entire vision of going and climbing for the oppressed and enslaved. So we together led a movement against human trafficking and oppression of women and children for years climbing crazy mountains all over the world. And it stretched us and God did miracles on those mountains, did all kinds of crazy stuff in the women that he called to do it. But if she hadn't faced her fear, that would have never transpired. So I encourage you, face any fear you have. Look at those six key fears that Napoleon Hill says that captivate our minds and that take control of us. And take the time to do a self-analysis. Take the time to get the link that I put in this program and click on the link. Just put in your name and your email. We will send you an email with the questions to do so that you can do a self-analogy of yourself and see where you're at in this area. And ladies, feel free to join us. We all have fears that we have to overcome and hold captive and, you know, fight against and fight those subconscious thoughts And we're doing it together in community and in collaboration. So don't miss out on the free opportunity to register today for our Masterpiece membership community. Have a great, blessed rest of your day.